Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another issue of DC Prime Time, issue number seven, now on newsstands. I love saying that. I do too. I, I, I really love that. <laughs> I think that's a great intro now, especially because we're calling them, you know, issues and stuff like that. But they're action-packed with issues. That's right. Uh, we'll, go, we'll have to do like a collector's issue later on down the road if we yeah. figure out something special to do. Uh, but as usual, I am Ben Beck from the Showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Rob Martin from CaffeineCrew.com. And no third chair this week, but that is quite all right, basically. Yeah, it's a a small week, small week. It is. Um, You know, we have Arrow and Flash are going to be on break for the next couple weeks, but we still have new episodes of Supergirl and DC's Legends of Tomorrow, as well as some new stuff we're going to throw in there. Uh, I know we had mentioned when we had the great George Shaw on last week, uh, his DC essential recommendation for the week was Young Justice. So we're going to talk a little bit about Young Justice on Netflix a little bit later on in the podcast as well. Uh, but let's get started with this week's bullet points, uh, where we give our rankings of the episodes of the week, starting off first with Supergirl episode or season one, episode 15, titled Solitude. Uh, Rob, we will start with you. I I'm going to say hero. Um, I, I was leaning on the opposite end of the spectrum for a second or two. And I'm like, you know, what? I, I will give it a hero uh, just alone for the fact that we got Brainiac and we got the Fortress of Solitude. Alone. Well, we didn't get Brainiac. Well, it was Brainiac <laughs> eight. Um, yes. OK, so Indigo, you know, Indigo is uh, is always been referred to as, you know, one of the many incarnations of Brainiac. And uh, so we got Brainiac eight. So that that's a uh, that's already a push in the positive direction for me. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to go a little bit further and say for the first time I'm giving – I don't know if it's the first time I've given it a legend or not. but I'm giving I think it, it a, is. Yeah. I'm giving it a legend this week. Awesome. Uh, for a number of different reasons, but we'll get to that a little bit later on uh, in the issue. Uh, but we have now move on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, episode season one, episode seven, titled Marooned. And I will start this one off and I will say that – Oh man, I'm teetering on this one. Um, I think this one falls into legend for me again. Um, so maybe we're on opposite ends, but we'll find out. Uh, you know, I'm actually going legend this week too. Uh, oddly enough, I think a lot of the reviews I saw for this week thought this show, this episode was one of the lesser episodes of the season. Um, I actually really enjoyed this one. Um, it the episode slowed down a little bit. But it was in a really positive way. I think it was a chance to kind of see inside the heads of some of the characters a little bit more. Um, you know, Kendra didn't tell her, uh, tell the audience this week that three months ago she was a barista. So that's always a positive. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I, I'm going to definitely say uh, this one gets a legend just for at least just because we got some really interesting backstory on the Time Masters, which kind of feel a little Jedi like. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and a lot of references to some other. Uh, another show at least, uh, but we'll get to, we'll discuss that a little bit later on as well. But now let's move on to, 
Uh, um, oh, God. Secret Origins. I'm getting confused. Uh, Secret Origins, where we're going to break down each episode. We're going to tell you why we gave them the rankings that we did, as well as, uh, you know, some other information as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're going to go back to Supergirl, as we had mentioned, Season 1, Episode 15, titled Solitude. Kara travels to the Fortress of Solitude, hoping to find information on how to defeat Indigo, a being from her past who can travel through the Internet. In the meantime, James and Lucy reach a crossroads in their relationship. I love how they put that in the synopsis. Yeah, I know. The whole thing about James and and Lucy. Uh, But as we had mentioned before, uh, during uh, bullet points, we got our appearance of Indigo, a.k.a. Brainiac, uh, a.k.a. Lara Vandervoort, who is gorgeous. And old school Smallville alum, isn't she? Yeah, Supergirl, actually. Yeah. yeah. Supergirl from Smallville. Mm-hmm. So um, we got to see the first appearance on the show of the Fortress of Solitude, which I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, actually, they, I think uh, um, for the budget that they work with, I think they did a really nice job with that. Believe it or not, I actually liked the design of the interiors of the Fortress of Solitude a little bit better than I did on Smallville. Yeah. I mean, Smallville went back to the classic Fortress of Solitude from the from the Christopher Reeve films and such, you know, where right. it's basically just pillars of ice and mm-hmm. and ice crystals and stalactites and stuff like that, stalagmites. This one made it look more like an actual fortress, uh, more like an actual, I guess, like interior of a castle ish. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing I I kind of hope is that we get to dive back there at some point in time. Uh, you know, Superman's got his infamous, like, kind of like the zoo inside the fortress. Yeah. Of all the last of their kinds that he's saved and has been tending to. And I'm I'm kind of hoping that we get to dive back into the fortress at some point in the near future, whether it's this season or next. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping the same thing as well. Not to mention the fact that we call, we saw some nods to some other things. We saw the ship that, that Kal-El came in, came to Earth in. And we saw the Legion ring. Yeah, and I was uh, that made me smile. Um, like, and it makes me wonder if that was the uh, the Legion ring we've been waiting for from the Flash uh, tease, you know. So that's a big big question because Supergirl and uh, and Superboy, well, Kal El when he was Superboy, not Connor Kent, um, both spent some serious time with the Legion, and I thought that was a that was a very nice nod. And I'm wondering where that's gonna come into play. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I think worth mentioning about the Fortress of Solitude, too, is we saw something that we've never seen in any other television show that has featured the fortress. Uh, it's only been seen in comic books, at least as far as I know. It, we've never seen it in a show, not Smallville, not the Christopher Reeves films. I don't even I don't know if it was featured in Man of Steel or not either. Uh, but we saw Cal-X, which was the, the almost like the robot butler yeah. of the fortress. Yeah, I mean, like you see that a little bit in the animated series that they they you know, bring one of them up every once in a while. Um, but again, I don't think we've ever seen it in a live interpretation. In Man of Steel, they did have something similar, but it wasn't quite the same. Like their interpretation of Krypton was a little bit different. And uh, but yeah, it was it was nice to see kind of a very true to form comic version of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think this is the first time we've ever seen the Fortress of Solitude with a front door. And I loved how they did the key. I, that, I, that was kind of nice. Yeah, I did too, where she was the only one who could. It was left right under the mat. Yep. Uh, but she's the only one other than, you know, obviously Kal-El who can, who can lift it mm-hmm. due to the type of metal that it's made of. Uh, obviously, only someone with a great amount of strength can lift it. The only issue I had with that is, uh, you know, James Olsen made it fairly obvious that 
Kara is faster than um, than Superman, at least when it comes to you know the travel to the Fortress of Solitude. I would think he would dress a little warmer. Yeah. Yeah, like when we saw him fly, and I'm like, please, God, at least give him a parka or something. <laughs> or give, or not only that, give him a face mask. Yeah. I mean, because your face is going to be frostbitten if you're flying through the Arctic as fast as he's saying you are. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a face left. <laughs> <laughs> so I know one of the popular criticisms I've been reading online is the fact that they're making Kara a little too human over Kryptonian. Uh, Kryptonians don't sleep, so why would she need an alarm clock? Um, as far from this episode, because the episode starts with her waking up to an alarm clock. Well, I mean, like we've seen Superman sleep, though, still in in different interpretations. I think it's really one of those things. It all really depends on the writers involved and how they want to treat them. Uh, I mean, that's one of the big things about Superman, too. It's his wanting to be more human, less alien. Um, You know, his it's his ties to the world. And he becomes that. That's that's what everybody says has always been his greatest weakness, you know. Yeah. And I think that's they're just carrying a lot of those concepts into into this show. And I think that's not to its detriment. I do understand a lot of people do have problems with it, but I don't think it it causes the show to suffer. No, I don't either. And I don't I actually don't mind them giving her some human characteristics. I mean, she's she's grown up on that planet for, you know, however long past 10 years or, or so. And uh, I don't mind it. Things like waking up to an alarm clock are not characteristics that take away from the fact that she's Kryptonian. Yeah. To me. So I don't mind that she's waking up to an alarm clock or that she's drinking pumpkin spice latte or anything else. You're going to adapt to the world. Um, you know, so shut up. Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't think it's necessary anymore. And I think it's a. Uh... I think it's time to look past that and look at the show's strengths versus its weaknesses. Exactly. Um, Because it's a show, I think, like I said, I've been wibble-wobbling on this for a while now, and I wasn't sure where I stood on this. And uh, the last couple episodes, it's one of those shows, It's I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, but it's been enjoyable, and it's, like I said, it's been finding its footing. It's like a statement that I keep bringing up, but it is definitely seeming to finding its footing. And I'm really excited if this gets picked up for a season two where it goes next. Oh, exactly. Yeah, definitely. For for sure. Uh, the Fortress of Solitude, as I had mentioned, getting to finally see that in, in this show was one of the main reasons why I gave this a legend. And uh, one of the other main reasons why I gave this a legend is actually happens at the end of the episode. But f- before we get into that, uh, I do want to mention one of the main things we found out from Indigo is the fact that Indigo is the one who was responsible for Kara finding Earth. Or at least escaping from the, the Phantom, Phantom Zone, Zone right. so that she could find Earth. Because if not for Indigo, she would be uh, – she'd still be floating around in the Phantom Zone under yeah, lost in time. Exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, – yeah, I do like how they tie that together. Um, I, I think that was a nice way to kind of start making some explanations on to why there was such a lag in time and, you know um, – just honestly, too, I think it's also nice that they're building up a villain's pool um, as well. I just I love the fact that Brainiac 8 is not going anywhere, it seems like, from what we also saw near the end of that episode with Non. Yeah. Um, and uh, but one of the things I was a little disappointed about is we didn't get any more information about Myriad yet. Uh, I was hoping at least some discussion and nods to what is behind Myriad. No, I, I agree with that, but I think uh, the this is where the Fortress of Solitude could actually come in. 
Yeah, I do agree. Because whereas Kara's mom doesn't is not allowed to speak of it, uh, the Fortress of Solitude could provide more information for Myriad. Yeah. So uh, I have a feeling whatever Myriad is is going to be something that's going to come back into play towards the end of the season, towards the finale. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of wondering now too if uh, I have I'm starting to my my weird comic book theory around all this is I'm wondering if Myriad has anything to do with the bottled city of Kandor, uh, which is very tied to the Superman Supergirl mythology. So I'm wondering if maybe it's unleashing a lot more Kryptonians onto Earth. Um, and it's that whole idea that Nan's been pretty much just, and even Brainiac 8, it was the high, whole idea of wiping out, you know, humankind um, for for that reason alone, is giving them haven. So I, I'm wondering if there's there's a lot more Kryptonians we just don't know about yet. Well, I'm I'm looking online now, and apparently in the DC mythos, Myriad is actually a person. Okay. Um, Myriad is actually a superhuman assassin. Huh. So now that doesn't necessarily mean that's exactly where they're going to go with this. Um, right. You know, we've seen it from time and time again from past shows. And I probably should have never even looked this up. I should have just let it go and waited to see what exactly what Marion was going to be. But I, I'm a spoiler. So, um, you know, I, 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 Marion was first appearance in Superman volume two uh, by the name of Sasha Green, who's a superhuman assassin. But we've seen in the past from other shows that they go in different directions. They don't always follow the comic books. So Marion could be a program. It could be as something having absolutely nothing to do with another person. So I will just have to wait and find out. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I had uh, I had mentioned, which was the main reason why I, I gave this episode a legend. This is the first time. Um, and I, I will freely admit this. This is the first time I ever got choked up at a scene on this show. Uh, the end scene, I would I would think you're probably thinking of with Alex and Kara with, and Hank. With- with Alex and Kara and Hank. This is the first time, in my opinion, we've ever seen some real emotion come out of this show. Um, I mean, we've seen emotion before. But, we're, we're of course, we're talking about the fact that the truth about Asher's death has been revealed. Uh, Kara came back to the team and think, still thinking that Hank, putting her differences with Hank aside, about thinking that Hank was the one that killed Astra. And then we find out that, you know, pretty much Alex just couldn't take it, the guilt of it anymore, and comes completely clean in a big emotional blob, uh, you know, crying. And the two of them hugging it out, like Kara forgiving her, and with Hank walking past to leave them alone, but Kara reaching out and grabbing his hand as in, like, you're part of this family. Right. Like that's a true emotional moment to me. Like that, yeah. I, I, I was very happy with that scene. Like it, it. I was, you know. Again, we go back to the showrunners for all this stuff: Kreisberg, Berlanti, and all these guys. Um, I love the fact that they're not dragging stuff out for the sake of dragging it out. Um, it's only been a couple episodes. It's it's resolved. You know, there was the fracture with the teams this year with Kara not working with the DEO, and it was a her and Jimmy centric story. Um, you know, with Wynn working with the DEO and that even causing more of a rupture between everybody at the time. And uh, I'm glad this is not going to be this long ongoing thing. Um, 
the fact that they're building their ensemble nailed together, because I was really concerned that this was all of a sudden going to be a fractured unit where it was going to be, feel like the DEO story and then Kara's story uh, after the ending of last week. And the fact that they only did it for one week, I think, was the wise move. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So, but I mean, again, I, I I felt some real emotion come out of that scene. It was probably my absolute favorite scene of that that episode, and it's the main reason I gave this one a legend for the first time. I've given the show a legend. Fair, so. I, I I can totally understand that. I, I I do think that was probably the strongest scene I've seen yet um, from the Supergirl, and uh, I'm hoping that we the they start tapping more into that because those actors have the ability to use some serious emotion. Like I I've always been a fan of Kyle, uh, Kyler Lee. Uh, you know, I'm really enjoying, you know, Melissa as well in the show. And they have a nice bond together when you even see them just in plain clothes outside of the whole Supergirl and Alex, you know, uh, at the DEO. Um, and I think if they keep building upon that, the show can only get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. Um, I think uh, I- I'm very interested to see where they're going with um Siobhan Smythe. Uh, we know who she's going to become. Right. But we did see that whole connection with her in, in Witness Week as well. And like we're seeing a lighter slash good side to her. So I'm very curious as to how they're going to make this transition. Yeah, because, you know, it, it did. It seemed odd almost for them to have her as the stone cold in it for herself in it to win it kind of mindset. And now kind of starting to humanize her this week. And I'm wondering, is that just again, like, you know, she's set up for massive failure and tragedy very soon. Obviously, we know it's soon. Um, but uh, I thought it was interesting that they started putting some focus on that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that as well. So, yeah, it's I mean, we're only a couple weeks away from World's Finest. Yeah, uh, we're like three weeks. Yeah. So, um, man, I can't wait till that episode. I, I it's one of those things I'm really excited about because, I mean, I, you know, I've been pretty vocal about it but i mean like i said i do enjoy arrow but uh flash always shines so much so much brighter than than arrow to me and for the most part but you see it though too it's not you know anything about the actors it's sometimes it's just purely the writing yeah and you see those characters from arrow when they appear on you know flash we saw it with diggle and lila and the king shark episode last week um, whenever it seems the Flash writers are the ones writing those characters, they just shine so, so wonderfully. Like, whether it's John always being at a shock and surprise every time Barry runs away from him quickly. <laughs> Which is great. And I love that. I love that it's that's an ongoing joke. But even, like, when we saw, like, Black Canary um, make her appearance uh, in last season and her talking to Cisco for the first time and him geeking out, he's like, I got the Black Canary, like, a photo of her and, like, an autograph and him geeking out about that. Like, they do an amazing job making those characters lovable, and I'm really wondering what it's going to be like to see Grant now on um, Supergirl uh, and how he's going to be written and uh, the Flash writers having input on that and all those things. So I'm very, very curious for a couple weeks from now and seeing how all that plays out. Yeah. I'm just I'm really hoping they just do a great job and they don't ruin it. But if the Flash writers are going to be collaborating on this episode, which I hope they are, uh, I I have no doubts. I don't think we're going to be disappointed. I don't either. I really don't. I'm very excited about that. I will say we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how busy our weeks were and how hard it was to find time to watch these shows. Uh, Even with as busy as my weeks were, I still went back and I rewatched King Shark and Vixen 
and Star City 2046. Uh, last week's episodes. I mean, it's not <laughs> to discredit this week at all, but last week it was that's a tough, tough, uh, tough act to follow. It was, I'll, I'll it be was honest. It's such a strong week, and yeah. it just pissed me off even more the way those episodes left off. And now we have to wait three weeks <laughs> to see, <laughs> you know, to see where they're going to go with it. However, I do want to make mention. I do want to talk about this a little bit later on in the podcast. I do have some notes when it comes to Casket Watch. Okay. After rewatching these episodes, I, I do have a couple notes, but we'll get to that in a little okay. bit. Okay. Sounds good. Um, anything we're forgetting? Uh, uh, anything else that we want to make mention of of this uh, episode of Supergirl? We, we did get um, the closure on uh, Jimmy and well James, sorry, and uh, Lucy. Um, you know, she obviously knows that Kara is in love with him as well. So that whole divide did split up because that was in the synopsis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously, it's a it's a talking point at least for them. Um, I think that's still one of the one of the threads in all of this that I'm not caring about quite as much yet. Um, again, I still have to admit I have a couple episodes. I still got a backfill that I've missed from earlier in the season, but um, I, I'm, I'm that's still not a big focal point for me. I'm still really focusing right now on the family dynamic between Alex, Kara and Hank and how that's growing. Yeah, that's where I am, too. So I agree with that as well. It's it's again, I mean, they split up, they stay together. It it really makes no difference as to whether or not I keep watching this show. Exactly. You know? And uh, you know, the last, I guess, big talking point is Nan is now uh holding the body of uh Indigo. So he will have that for the f- near future. Do uh, we think that Nan is gonna make uh, do the do we think they're gonna treat this version as Indigo um, as almost like this version, this show's version of Brainiac. Uh, well, yeah, I think, you know, again, because it is part of Brainiac, I think we're going to see that expand a lot more. Uh, I don't think that was anywhere close to the end of uh, of Brainiac and the appearances of Indigo in the show. Um, I, I think we're going to see that stretched upon very, very heavily by the end of this season. I think that's where it's all a lot of this is building to. Whether, again, Myriad's a program or not, I think Brainiac's involvement is going to be very large in that. But I was very happy to see those three little, like, you know, triangular dots. And it yes. Made, it's made me smile. Um, like, that show does an amazing job, whether it was the Black Mercy weeks ago and, you know, Bizarro and all these things. The fact that they're playing out on TV is exciting. Um, you know, I know we got some of this stuff back uh, stuff back in Smallville, but... Um, this is just so much larger than what Smallville ever was going to be able to do. And uh, they're 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 moving the mythos forward. And uh, the fact that they're doing a good job kind of uh, translating that to screen. Uh, I've got so so many high hopes for where this is all going to go. Uh, agreed. And I, I, compl- I can't believe I forgot about this. But I do have one other thing about this episode that made me push this into legend. And that's the fact that we got to see the classic, not at least to me, nod to Superman, where a super, whether Supergirl or Superman, saves the world from a nuclear missile. Yeah, we did get that. Yes. <laughs> Which it happens in every when it happened in Smallville, it happened in the cla- in the Christopher Reeves films. It happens it, in the trailer for Batman versus Superman. It does. <laughs> so the fact that we're that we got to see the classic nod to Superman, where Kyra saves the world from a nuclear missile. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. There's one thing I think might be an Easter egg in this episode, and I'm not quite sure. My brain was playing tricks on me at the very end of the episode. Nan is holding this little orb, um, and that looked way too familiar to me. And I have to go back and check it out 
but it looked like the orbs that Donald Sutherland is playing with in the Helen Slater Supergirl movie when they're in Argo, I think, in the very beginning um, of that flick. And uh, when you're actually on Krypton and seeing that stuff and it looked identical to those orbs. So maybe that was an old nod to that old movie. Maybe the design is slightly different, but that was I it made me smile for a second because I think I think that maybe what that was. I have to look that up and just look for some pictures online. But it's it's been so long since I've seen the original Supergirl movie. Oh, it's I, such a terrible, wonderful movie. <laughs> oh, there's so many of them, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you know, that was the original um what Helen Slater. Yeah, Helen Supergirl, Slater. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm kind of curious. So maybe uh, sometime this week I'll, I'll get a second or two to do some digging and see if that was actually what that was. So cool. You have to let us know next issue if that's the case. Yeah. And uh, hey, uh, we had Mr. Fantastic showed up in this episode too to turn the keys at the uh, uh, the you know <laughs> missile silo. <laughs> we God. did. Uh, well, it was it was Indigo with the stretchy arms. That that was the only I think point in time in this episode I rolled my eyes a little. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Fantastic from uh, from Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. All right. So, yeah. Uh, but all in all, I thought it was a very enjoyable episode. Yeah. So, uh, but let's move forward then with the only the second episode that we have to talk to talk about this week. And that is Legends of Tomorrow episode. Of course, I like I clicked on the, the wrong damn link, uh, but it is episode seven of the first season titled Marooned. After receiving a distress call from another time ship stranded in space, Rip decides to answer the call in order to use the other ship's computer to track Ran- uh, to track Randall Savage. Randall uh, Savage? Ra- wait, not Randall Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Randall Savage. He's working. A- he's working at a quick stop down the street somewhere in Jersey. <laughs> That's why they can't find him. <laughs> Yeah, to uh, to track Savage. Uh, the team is suspicious and warns him this could be a trap, but he moves forward with his plan. So um, I thought there were so many great moments in this episode. And I got to say, say it right off the bat. Man, Ray just shined this week. I love him. It, it just makes me smile. So many, um, like so many great moments from Ray. Uh, we saw so many great moments from Professor Stein. Um, you, you, I we got to see a lot of emotion from Rip Hunter. We saw some great fight scenes with Sarah and Kendra. Um, the dynamic or the split of dynamic between Mick and Leonard. I mean, there's so many things about this episode that I don't know why they're calling this one one of the lesser episodes. Yeah, um, and you know what? Like I said, I kind of joked about it last week where I said the episode felt like a bottle episode, even though it wasn't, well, no, not star city. It was uh, the one before that. Uh, when we were finishing up the Russia storyline, this kind of was the bottle episode though. This was them locked on the wave rider or the other ship. And you know, it wasn't a lot about, you know, flashy timelines or anything like that this week, but it was a really good humanizing episode for a, a, at least half the cast. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't see much from Jax or anything or Kendra this week, but or, or even Sarah for that point. Um, but Just it was a couple a re- fight scenes, but that was about right. it. But we got some really wonderful moments, though. I definitely agree. I think, you know, Professor Stein talking about his love for science fiction and him being the space ranger. Um, Which was and- a nod to Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Um, I forget what the name of the uh, – but the space ranger that he mentions is actually a book written by Isaac Asimov that uh, I think DC actually turned into a comic book at some point. So it is a nod to both Isaac Asimov and DC, but it is it is something that exists. It's not something that they just made up for his character. Right. 
but yeah, I really loved it. Um, it was just, again, it goes back to what we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, Victor Garber and, you know, uh, Wentworth Miller and even, you know, Brandon Routh and everybody that that's such a wonderful cast to watch. And they just have such a wonderful dynamic. They write those characters wonderfully. Uh, and even if it's not as an excited of a storyline or have anything to do with the main plot for the most point, like, you know, the little ideas of fact and fact checking to track down where Savage is next. But it was really fun to see them kind of all a little bit more out of their element for a second or two. Um, you know, Ray going out in the space to seal the whole breach on the wave rider after the ship is attacked by the time pirates. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, again, seeing Martin Stein on his own with, you know, and while we've seen this a little bit in the past, it was felt like him stepping into his childhood dreams. It wasn't to be a superhero. It was to be an astronaut. It was it was it was just a really beautifully fun episode. Well, just the, the excitement that he had when he found out that the ship, the Wave Rider could go into space. Yeah. And not just through time. I mean, like he's living out childhood moments throughout this entire episode. Well, that was kind of not just him, but that was Ray, too, uh, like him geeking out and him doing the captain's log bit in the chair <laughs> and uh the nods to him you know doing uh you know kirk and you know the picard references left and right it was it was watching like you know two adults like get to get to play on on the set and it was just fun to watch them do it yeah yeah exactly uh i want to take it back to the beginning of the episode which i thought was a great start which was rip watching the video of his wife and son uh, we're starting to see that this traveling through time to to fix things is really starting to take a toll on Rip. And I kind of liked that. I kind of liked the emotional start of this episode with him just watching that video on a loop and over and over again. I guess kind of wondering in his mind or at least we're made to think that he's wondering is if he can fix this or is this something that is he's just constantly. We, I mean we kind of already know he's blaming himself. Right for this, but I'm wondering if maybe he's he's curious as to if this is a, something he can fix. Like, will he ever get his wife and son back, or are they gone permanently? Right. Is 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 this kind of just going to happen regardless? Is this one of those fixed points that they can't find a way to to change? You know, um, yeah. I'm very curious to see how how that's going to go. But I, I was I was very. It was a nice emotional punch in the start of the episode. Um, you know, uh, he's. We haven't seen a lot of him uh, except his couple badass moments here and there in the background of it. But the fact that they're starting to put some more focus on him a little bit has been has been uh, a very welcomed uh, moment of the show. Yeah. And we got a little more backstory into him and his wife as yeah. well. Uh, you know, we found out how they met each other. We actually found out that she was a time master at the same time. And due to their relationship, she's the one that resigned instead of him. Um. So, I mean, we're, we're getting to see more as this show goes on, which I'm liking. They're not keeping it just strictly. I mean, they're they're building more. I, I want to say they're adapting from the characters. Like, these characters to me are not the same characters we first met in Flash and Arrow. They're totally new characters. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing a completely different set. Well, to a point, yes and no, what I'm saying is true, because I think Ray hasn't changed. No, well, I think what it is is the characters are growing. Um, it's well, we've just, seen Ray become more confident. Yeah, I mean, but I do think it's honestly, it's just we're seeing so much character growth in such a short amount of time, but it doesn't feel forced. Um, and that's, I think, a really hard thing to do for any writer. You know, it's because you have a shortened season. It's, but their their growth seems normal and it seems real. Um, 
you know, we go back to Flash with um, Stein, uh, and the Stein we have now is because we've spent so much more time with him, and we understand him. We've seen these amazing emotional scenes with him in the show about the loss of Ronnie and how that's impacted his current mission and his care of Jax and his general care about what they're doing uh, and, and how that's really impacting and affecting him. But then again, how it's impacting and affecting everybody else on the show. Um, the one person that's not really impacting, it goes back to the show's week right now is, uh, you know, Mick um, and how it's affecting him in a, the polar opposite way. And it's affecting the rest of the team. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, I do like the fact that they didn't bring in the villains just to be villains on the show and kind of cause turmoil. It was you're actually seeing them grow and you're seeing them splinter um, in the way that makes sense. Um, the dynamic between you know Snart and, and Rory has been so interesting to watch the last couple of weeks, um, especially getting that backstory on, you know, Leonard as a kid getting beat down in the, you know, at school and Mick stepping up and saving him. Um, it, it, it made you look at that so differently. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering now, obviously the way the episode left off with, uh, you know, with Rory and Mick, uh, Rory and Mick, Jesus, I'm all over the place with Mick and Leonard. Um, you know, almost, we don't, obviously we don't know where it left off exactly. We don't even know where they were when that whole scene happened. We don't know what point in time we don't know you know, where on the, on the earth they are. I do have a thought about that. I think that was, that looked like the wood scene from flash last season where, uh, you know, uh, Barry and Leonard were having their discussions about, you're not going to kill anybody anymore kind of thing. And, uh, it makes a little bit of sense because if it was him there to kill Nick, it's going back on his word to the flash and all these things as well. So it, I think that's kind of what that was pointing at that. That was central city 2016. But do we think Leonard killed Rory? I don't or, think so. I I, I, I I don't think they would yet. Um, yeah, I, I'm not – I don't think so either. But it's very interesting though the, to see that this show is not afraid to take certain risks. I mean they've already – we don't know for how long or when they'll be back. But we've already seen a character killed off. One yeah. of the initial team was killed off in, in Hawkman. And now we're seeing a character make a complete turn and become the villain. Yeah, and we did see uh, some stuff that we'll bring up in the essentials later on with the news, but uh, the showrunners came out and said that their hope is next season that they're going to rotate some cast members out um, because they want the show to continue to evolve in different ways, and there's certain stories that obviously are going to get wrapped up this season, and maybe certain characters won't be around anymore or no longer make sense to be a part of that team. So if I'm wondering if this is them working towards the back half of the season getting rid of Mick. It could possibly be. I mean, I don't know. He's listed in the credits for next week's episode, but that, um, that means nothing. I mean, because, um, uh, Falk Henschel was listed throughout the, in the credits of every episode for the entire season. And when his character died in the show, that changed. Yeah. They, they removed him from the credits in future episodes. So just because Mick is listed in the credits, you know, Dominic Purcell is listed in the credits for next week's episode doesn't mean he's going to be in that episode because it just means they just haven't changed it online yet. Yeah. You know, they do things like that, to So people don't see stuff like this coming, which is fine. I, I'm liking that. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my other only issues with this episode is the fact that I mean, and it's it's me nitpicking this episode is 
Adam's suit being able to go into space and having an oxygen reserve, like really, like where where does where does the oxygen fit? Well, like I said, we saw him survive inside of Kendra's body. So again, we had it then. So it's uh, uh, a yeah, we're, that, we're that. at that big suspension of disbelief point where I think, again, we're talking about a show about time travel and all. And I it's one of those things that while I can grade at you sometimes for things like that, you, at the end of the day, it's just remembering this is this is a comic book, you know. It's just we believe it because they want us to believe it. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's it's basically nitpicking. These are not things that are going right. to make me cause going to cause me to stop watching the show. Yeah. I mean, the only other th- the other the only other nitpick I have about the episode and it's totally ridiculous. It's a completely ridiculous nitpick is the scene with um, Leonard and Sarah being locked in the uh, the compartment and it getting really cold due to the leak. Uh over, over, over use of CGI, seeing your breath. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was a little irritating for a second or two, but um, I think just the fact that they had some good emotional scenes there, that kind of helped offset that pretty well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand that they did it because they want the audience to realize they're in a cold room because you can't see cold on camera. Right. So this is, it's the same way, you know, that you see like ribbons tied to fans and stuff like that to kind of, so you that you know that the fans are on. You know, because who the hell ties ribbons to their fans and to their air vents? Nobody does that. Yeah, it's a it's a movie trick. So I understand the CGI. Your breath was, you know, just a nod, but it was way overdone. I mean, I actually watched when Leonard was talking and there were times when the breath was coming out of his mouth when it wouldn't have yeah. because of the syllables that he was saying. Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, I will say nitpick. this, though. Um, the rest of the CG this week was on point, man. The space stuff looked beautiful. Oh, it's great. I was very, very impressed this week. Just uh, there was moments where I was like, "This is, this can't be on just a TV show." Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything look that good, uh, space-wise on TV. Um, and we've seen some amazing stuff the past years, like BSG and you know, like the hundreds of Star Treks that have been around for so many years. But man, it looked it looked wonderful. And uh, for for them to being able to consistently pull off a show that looks this fantastic and this cinematic week after week. I got to give these guys props. They're, they're doing such a wonderful job. Well, not just legends. I mean, we saw it with like with what we saw with King shark with flash last week and with arrow, you know, and Vixen and uh, it's all of these shows. Yeah. They're so good at the CGI. They, they put certain movies I've seen to shame. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's why, you know, my brain constantly always goes back to Supergirl and that because all these, those three shows do such an amazing job, and Supergirl is really held back, it seems like, um, in comparison to which is why it always feels kind of like it sticks out a little bit more every week when you watch it amongst these other ones. It's just that uh, that those extra little touches that they do in post um, really shine on those three shows where Supergirl still could use a little work. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. So um, I know one other thing I want to make mention of in this episode is we got the first mention of Vanishing Point. Uh, actually, we uh, got that a little bit back. Um, they okay. did bring that up when um, Kronos was with um, one of the other Time Masters when they confronted Rip in the woods with Mick. They did bring up the Vanishing Point for the first time there real quick. I think that was something I remember after we recorded that. I was like, ah, crap, we forgot to bring that up. But uh, oh, okay. But yeah, they, that was at least, again, our next nod to that. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to say, too, um, it really, really happy that the flashbacks make sense in this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Air, too. Arrow Raiders take note, you know. 
Um, that's how you do it. It makes sense. <laughs> it, it builds upon what's happening and not just giving us a side story. Yeah. Um, it, I, I like the fact that in the flashback, we almost got a little bit of a Star Trek vibe from that, too, in that the, the whole simulation that they ran. Yeah. Uh, it was almost like a Kobayashi Maru mm-hmm. from Star Trek, except the fact that she actually pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas the Kobayashi Maru was supposed to be something that you you were supposed to fail at. So, um, but yeah, anything else that I'm thinking of that I'm forgetting? Maybe worth mentioning for this. Uh, oh, I know one other thing I wanted to mention, unless there was anything else you wanted to bring up. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we, we saw, too, that in the other ship, uh, whereas the Wave Rider has Gideon, the, the other ship has Gilbert. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, see, from what we saw with the reverse Flash in in the Flash in season one of the Flash and Flash and you know and um, Professor Wells or you know um, Eobard uh, Thom, God, I'm confusing my names all over the place. But you know he had a version of Gideon as well. So I was under the impression that all future forms of computers were Gideon, but now we're seeing a Gilbert. Yeah, and it makes me wonder: is there a tie-in? to reverse flash to legends of tomorrow and the wave rider. I, I'm starting to wonder a little bit more of that. And I, you know, I, I haven't really made any speculations on that yet. I think it was just interesting to see that there are multiple AIs that are kind of in control. And especially that we know that Barry's the man that was responsible for the creation of Gideon. So it's wondering if it's just additional future tech. Cause again, we know the vanishing point for their, they haven't brought it up on the show. The vanishing point is a fixed point. Um, nothing can ever change that in the timeline. Um, the vanishing point can't just be wiped from existence, really. Um, time has no meaning there. So it, it's, it's making you wonder if this, the Time Masters are just evolving a little bit more. Like they're, you know, this is, you know, they have just multiple tech that they're using. We, we have no idea yet. There's a lot to be explained and unwrapped there. Yeah. I mean, and they've and they've they also said in this episode, too, that Gideon was kind of out of date um, because they weren't Gideon wasn't able to get updates. So maybe from the point in time that they are at and the point in time from when he stole, you know, stole the wave rider, maybe Gideon or um, Gilbert is the upgrade to Gideon and he just hasn't received it because he's not connected to the Time Masters anymore. Or it could be as simple as something like Siri, Siri for people that you can choose your voice. It maybe it's just as simple as that. You know? That's true. So it could be a magnitude of things. So I'm very kind of curious, though. Um, you know, we kind of skipped past a little bit some of the uh, backstory stuff. But um, with the Time Masters, we did kind of find out that they kind of have like a Jedi code of honor kind of thing where they're not meant to have attachment. We do know Rip Hunter is not Rip's real name. Uh, for those in comic book knowledge, he is he, he's an, he's a Carter. He's, uh, you know, Michael Carter, Booster Gold's son. Um, so I like the fact that they're nodding to they they use fake aliases just to make sure that uh people can't track down their families and change their their existence i really 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 hope we see booster gold one day i do too i, I really, really hope we even, see booster gold one day even if it's just an old booster where they get to have a moment together that that would be awesome yeah like i just they don't even have, see that they don't even have to call him booster gold just call him michael carter you know and that's it and, and that's see that and that's yeah. all i even need and that's the nod that we yeah that's the nod that we need mm-hmm so uh, anything else for, we're forgetting before we move on? Uh, I just got a, another nod to, to Ray this week. I love the fact that they broke him down. It's Kendra trying to keep him awake with uh, his oxygen reserves depleting. And it's kind of like, 
what's your favorite color? He's like, I don't have one. He's like, it's like choosing your favorite beetle. You don't want to leave the other ones out. And it just says so much about his character. <laughs> He's such a nice guy. He doesn't want to leave anybody out on out in the cold. Uh, yeah. You know, no pun intended for the, the scene, but, um, but it was, uh, I, it just makes me smile more and more and more. Yeah, I mean, and it's great too because we know that we already knew that he was a science nerd, but now that we now we know too, he's also a pop culture geek, mm-hmm. you know, with all the Star Trek references and stuff right. like that. So yeah, uh, and uh, I think next week's episode is the last week we get for a couple of weeks. That's getting ready to go on break as well. Is it? I didn't yeah. know. I didn't realize it was going on break. Yep, uh, sixteen episodes. That's next week is their mid season finale. So oh yeah, it's going on. It's going on for two weeks. Uh, yeah, they get a two week break. I think they come back the same week as Flash and Arrow. No, um, they're the week after. Oh, week after, week yeah. after. That's March right. thirty, March thirty first. Mm-hmm. Or is that the same week? Uh, no, week I think after. that it, it is, is week the week after. after. Yeah. So that's getting a three week break, but uh, Flash and Arrow will be back um, starting the twenty second. But uh, yeah, we will have next week's episode of Legends. Supergirl, I think, is still running next week as well. It is, um, and I think that might be getting a bit of a break potentially as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think there might be one week in there where I think Supergirl is going to be the only show we have. Yeah, I think so. So, I But think I think we have a plan for that week. I think we do. I think we do. So uh, we will find out. But that's going to wrap it up for the two episodes that we had air this week. As I had mentioned earlier on. Coffin watch. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, casket watch. Um, so I went back and I rewatched. Uh, as I'd mentioned, Star City 2046 and, um, you know, the Arrow with with Vixen and Flash with King Shark. And I realized something watching Star City 2046. And, and this kind of extends back to Arrow. Now, we, we don't know who is in the coffin. We have ideas. Uh, I know one of the things that we had mentioned is the fact that um, we had thought the potential of Felicity's mother being in the coffin, which I kind of wrote off now that Felicity can walk. I don't know. I'm not sure if it is um, her mother in the coffin, because otherwise, why would she not be out at the grave if she's able to be there now? Um, But if you go back to Star City 2046 and the timeline is still intact, we know from Star City 2046 that both Diggle and Quentin die in the uprising. Yes. Not due to Damien Dark or and or Malcolm Merlin. And I could drop that knowledge in there now um, if you want, or we can wait until the essentials. But I think that theory has already been solved. Um, we saw some pictures last week from from a from, a, from the funeral episode. from the funeral. Yes, and uh, we have a very very good thought now on who really is in that coffin. So, uh, well, I mean, I think different theories can still be. Well, uh, it it depends though because some of the pictures that have come out they're actually saying are from a flashback funeral. Yeah. Not the current one because we're seeing Quentin with hair. Yep. Which he doesn't have anymore and he's mm-hmm. not going to grow it back in a matter of like a couple episodes. So, um and we see what looks like a young Laurel in in that shot. So a lot of people right now if we're talking about our thoughts and theories, it looks like uh Quentin looks like the one we might be losing this season. So, which I'd be curious because they, you know, as I had mentioned in Star City 2046, they say that Quentin dies in the uprising of mm-hmm. the the Deathpool or Deathpool, um, Deathstroke Junior. Uprising. Right. So it's a wait and see. So we're we're gonna have to see what happens if that uprising this year. That's a big question. Um, it is. 
Um, they, the producers have come out and said that whoever it is is that is in the coffin, uh, their death will stick. They will not be returning. Yeah. Um, so whoever it is that is in the show, it will be a true goodbye to that character because they not like there's no Lazarus Lazarus pit that'll bring anybody back. The character will be gone. Yeah. So, um, and I think the other thing, I, I, the other side theory, I thought, um, because it seems from those pictures that. Uh, if it's a flashback funeral, it seems that whoever is in that coffin is going to be very, lo- very Lance eccentric, um, which kind of does point towards Quentin, which I really hope it's not Paul Blackthorne because I love Paul Blackthorne. I do, too. Uh, but, yeah, I have a feeling that that's unfortunately coming. Um, but it's a wait and see. We still have a couple episodes to play out before we can confirm anything. But I think you and me are both kind of sold that uh, Quentin Lance is going to go uh, yeah. this season, unfortunately. Because uh, there's not really much left of his story to tell. There, there really isn't. And uh, we even brought it up. Um, you know, Black Canary um, needs a, a push forward in that show. And uh, this could be a big way to make that happen. Yeah. Um, again, they have a very heavy cast uh, on that show in comparison to the others when you kind of look at the grand scheme of things. And uh, it makes sense if they need to start cleaning house a little bit, who is not going to have the greatest impact um, on the future of that show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to have a lasting impact at the same time. So it makes a lot of sense for them moving Laurel's character forward. Um, Because I know, again, there's a lot of fan outcry that people are just not happy with uh, the depiction of Black Canary. um, And they would like to see a little bit more focus on her and develop her a little bit more. And that's a big way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But as we had made mention to in the podcast as well, when we had George Shaw on last week, George's DC Essential was the animated series Young Justice, which, uh, as George had mentioned, if the numbers are high enough on Netflix, now that the show is on Netflix, Netflix will do a third season of Young Justice. So it was the DC Essential from all three of us last week. And Rob and I decided uh, after the episode was finished recording last week, that since we were on a shortened week, having only Supergirl and DC Legends of Tomorrow, we were going to watch the first couple episodes of Young Justice and talk a little bit about that on this week's episode. Indeed. So uh, I know we're doing a good, we're actually doing a good job looking at the time. We're doing a good job of filling the time this week with only two episodes uh, to, to talk about. But we can spend a couple minutes on Young Justice. I know you and I both got the chance to, I think, had you seen it before? I have seen season one. Um... Right after it originally aired, um, and I watched and kind of binge watched it a couple of years back, um, and then uh, was able to get my hands on season two uh, after it all wrapped up. And uh, I have watched that through a couple times now, and I've watched the first season of Young Justice quite a few times. That's one of my uh, when I'm trying to get ready to crash out in bed, uh, I'll throw that on in the background or that or Futurama sometimes. So, so Young Justice has definitely been a normal for me. So uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this, but this is your first viewing of the show. It is. It was my first viewing of the show. Um, I like the fact that they went into the, uh, the Superboy origin of Superboy being a clone of Superman, mm-hmm. uh, rather than a relative of Superman, which I know some versions have done. I enjoyed that. And, Knowing these characters from the whole Death of Superman saga, I loved finally seeing something that showed Guardian and Double X. <laughs> like, I thought that was so cool to finally see them in some kind of format, whether it's some animated. Capacity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, Guardian and Double X, uh, you know, working in Cadmus. Um, so that was a nice. Uh, we had 
the creation of the blockbuster serum and the creation of blockbuster in the first few episodes. Um, and then uh, we get you get to see not only something from our youth, the Hall of Justice. <laughs> yeah, we also get knowledge of the Watchtower as well. So it's a nice con- connection of everything uh, in the greater DC universe. Um, and this is not a show just about the sidekicks. You do see the heroes very front and center as well. It's just the focus is on the legacy characters, uh, not the legacy characters, but the people that will carry on the legacy. Yeah. 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 I liked seeing, um, you know, I, I like the basic core of the team so far being kid flash, uh, you know, and Superboy and, um, I can't remember. Uh, Caldor is, uh, uh, you know, Aqua Boy slash Aqua Lad, how you want to look at it. Aqua Lad, that was And the, then yeah. we have Robin as well. Yeah. And then that show expands greatly as time Well, I'm, I'm looking at the on IMDb at some of the cast that's coming in. I mean, it looks like uh, Wally West, Roy Harper. Well, Wally West is the Kid Flash we have here, so. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, um, I think it takes a couple episodes for them to actually say that that's Wally, not Bart. Um, so this is a, a time frame where Flash is um, is Barry Allen. This uh, came out after Rebirth, so they were going with the classic Flash. So, so we do know that's Wally um, with the red hair. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, like I'm looking at a lot of a lot of the cast that's going to be coming in. You know that we're going to be seeing a little bit later on. Uh, it looks like Zatanna at at one point, Vandal Savage, who we know from, you know, from uh, from DC's Legends of Tomorrow right now. I. I was under the impression from Supergirl, I mean, that Red Tornado was a villain. And apparently I'm wrong. Yeah, Red Tornado is, is a classic um, is a classic Justice League character. Uh, he's always been on the team, and he's been on the team for a very long point of time. Uh, and, you know, they've had him where there's moments where he's gone, you know, where he's gotten reprogrammed and been a villain here and there and all. But, uh, yeah, he's always kind of the classic. But I love the fact that he's kind of like the den mother of uh, of the Young Justice team. But, and, uh, I, and I'm looking at some of the voice casting, too. I mean, Danica McKellar, um, Alan Tudyuk is Oliver Queen. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, Tim Curry is going to be a voice in this, too. Kelly Hugh, Jason Marsden, uh, Lacey Chabert. The, the, the voice cast in this is amazing, too. Maria yeah. Sirtis. Mm-hmm. Um, Oda Fair as Ra's al Ghul. Wow, that's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm looking forward to keeping and keeping on and watching this. Yeah, um, and they do a great job. And I will say this without spoiling it for people. I know this is a show where we do talk about spoilers, but because you haven't seen this yet, I'm really excited for you to get to season two because they do one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a show where season one wraps up. You get into season one and they have this big cliffhanger and the show starts like nothing happened. And then all of a sudden you start seeing the team front and center. and You're like, Whoa. And that's all I can say is uh, it's not your expectations. Dude, and, uh, I'm, I'm going back like again, like I'm so blown away by the cast of voice actors. I mean, I'm looking at a lot of people who have done a lot of one off episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, they've only been on one episode and I'm seeing Tony Todd, Edward Asner. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Adam Baldwin, Clancy Brown, Wentworth Miller, who we know is Captain Cold. Danny Trejo is ba- like I cannot wait to get further on yeah. into this. Brett Spiner is the Joker, Ariel Winter. God, like, I can't wait. I really can't. Oh, yeah. It, there's there's some really amazing stuff in this show. And, I mean, we get to see other characters that I never thought I'd see animated, like Jaime Reyes, which is, uh, you know, the the current day Blue Beetle. Uh, you know, Beast Boy comes into the fray. I mean, we get a lot of stuff. Moose Martian, um, you know, Artemis, all these characters. And uh, 
you get a lot of the classic Roy Harper story from Batman and the Outsiders um, and Teen Titans. Uh, it, it, there's a lot that happens in the show, and they do such a beautiful job with it. Um, we can't recommend the show enough. Um, you know, the first first two episodes really just focuses on, you know, Roy Leap, like, you know, all of them being ready to be accepted into the Justice League and finding out that it's not quite their time yet. And then just uh, finding a way to kind of come together for the first time. So, yeah, it's just it's really fun. They, they handle the teen story kind of dynamic so well, um, but it's it's so much fun to watch them grow. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to keep watching it. So I'm I love when I get to go into a show with this kind of excitement that I've never you know, a show that I've never seen. I mean, it's the same kind of excitement I had when Flash first started. And I still have that excitement with Flash now. Um, but yeah, like I, I love this renewed sense of excitement of watching something I've never seen. And I've only seen the first two, which is kind of like a two part pilot. So um, now I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going to go with the actual storyline now that mm-hmm. it's set up. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on it as you continue to watch. Yeah. So. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Cool. As well, depending on uh, how far into it I'll get. Because I'm sure I'll watch a couple more episodes, too. Awesome. They're pretty easy to knock out. They're only like 22 minutes long. Yeah. So Cool. So let's get ready to wrap things up. But before we do that, we have to hit our DC Essential section where we talk about some news in the world of DC as well as make some recommendations. Yeah. Uh, so I'm completely out of the loop this week. I have no, <laughs> I have no news and it, it, I have no recommendations. So I'm going to turn this over to you. Okay. Well, like I said, it's been a pretty hectic week, and there's only been a couple little things um, this week. Uh, You know, we did get a little bit more info. We always go back to it week after week, but Batman versus Superman. uh, I know one of the biggest things that people have been very concerned about was the movie being very overloaded with characters. Um, We did get something that made me feel a little bit better today. Uh, Not today, actually. It was a couple days ago. Um, That we do know that that R-rated cut is substantially longer um and the reason why is not just because of the fights is they cut back a lot of this film uh there's one person specifically jenna maloney who is in hunger games catching fire i believe um she was reported to be in this film and we do know she was in it her character was being kept under wraps for quite a bit of time a lot of people were thinking she was the carrie kelly robin from the you know frank miller series um or she was playing barbara gordon And we do know her character has been 100% cut from the theatrical run, which is already clocking in at two hours and 32 minutes, I think. Um, But they cut back a lot of additional nods to the greater DC universe um, to kind of do that. And they said their idea is most of these movies most likely will all have a cut that's a longer cut that is going to be there for home audiences that is showing the greater DC universe as a whole. So it sounds like we're going to be seeing that not just with this film, but potentially they're saying Suicide Squad may be going under something similar and where they're focusing on it for people that are not as familiar with the DC universe. So it makes me feel a little bit better that it's not going to be as overloaded as we thought. They're cutting a couple characters back, some of the greater greater thought processes out of things um, and focusing on the story that's happening in front of us. So. I did see, too, that the writers are already working on a sequel to Suicide Squad. Yes, uh, I think Will Smith has already been confirmed. Uh, I think Margot Robbie is already in early negotiations. She better be. Studio Buzz is big about that movie right now. I can't wait. Like, that's Um, the one movie I'm I'm looking forward to that way more than Batman. For for them to green light this this early um, is saying a lot that Warner Brothers is really behind this. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, aside from that, we did get a couple other nods, too. We do know we're not going to be seeing Hal Jordan anytime soon. They said most likely not until Justice League 2, um, or the second part of, the, uh, of that. They said, you know, they're not trying to overload, and they know they have a lot on their plate already. So they're trying to focus on people bit by bit. Um, we're not going to get much of, for those that were thinking we were going to see a lot of characters like Cyborg and The Flash and Aquaman. They have confirmed they their scenes are very short. Very, very short, and this is kind of nodding at things to come, and that's it. Um, we do know that that whole kind of apocalyptic scene with, like, the doomsday happening on the States is a dream sequence. Apparently, there's going to be two or three dream sequences in this flick. One from Batman, one from Wonder Woman, and apparently one from Flash. Um, that brings him into the greater scheme of things at the end, and that's... Uh, so there's a lot going on here. So I'm wondering how they're going to bounce all of this out. But and um, that's and that's the thing that still worries me is that right. it's way too much in way. Like I know it's got a running time of two and a half hours, and it's going to be extended on the DVD. But there's only so much you can do, especially when you still have to concentrate on that massive storyline of Batman v Superman. Right. I think it's still going to be way overloaded. Well, it does sound one thing that we're getting is a. Uh... I, I, it sounds like at least from the there's a couple earlier reviews. Entertainment Weekly was very notable of writing some early thoughts after they got to see the film this week. Uh, a couple other ones have popped up online and uh, the response is actually surprisingly very good. Um, they did see from a couple people that they said, if you were not a fan of Man of Steel, uh, but like the film for the most part, minus a couple pieces. That And honestly, Man of Steel, for the most part, was a solid film, minus a couple pieces that really brought it down. Um, that they said, most likely you're going to walk away very happy with this film. Um, Even a if, lot of, if you're not a fan of Man of Steel? If you're not a fan, but you liked its backbone, but you didn't like where it went. Um, it seems like they took that to heart and really addressed a lot of those concerns. Um, that's the kind of response I'm seeing. I heard if you loved Man of Steel... Right off the bat, they said, no questions asked. You'll love this film. They said, if you, you know, the other version of that I saw was, if you loved Man of Steel minus the last 40 minutes of the film, you'll probably love this movie as well. Um, you know, because um, if you really look at Man of Steel, for the most part, that movie was really good. The biggest complaints a lot of people had was the Pa Kent scene and the last 40 minutes. Beyond and, that, that was and pretty, that was and pretty that was pretty much yeah that was pretty much where my biggest issues call. And were. if they're saying hey you know we're taking that to heart and it sounds like they really have been uh, from the couple things I've read this week from people that have seen the movie that they really took that as the catalyst of how to make this universe and fix this universe was the critic uh, what they were criticized for and how that handled the ending, um, and it sounds like. They learned their lesson. Uh, I read about five micro reviews so far, including the Entertainment Weekly, and it's all from press and it's all very positive. Um, we are hearing that Gal Gadot did an exceptional job with Wonder Woman. Um, there's been a lot of like, praise for it. Every one of those reviews I've read has praised her, her job and how they've managed to get Wonder Woman on screen. And they apparently have done a very wonderful job. Um, I heard there's a couple of very touching moments in this movie that they said it's going to be hard not to just have a big stupid geek smile on your face or even shed a tear or two. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm not, like I said, star Wars excited or the way that we are about like things like, you know, civil war, but, um, I'm starting to feel a little bit more at ease. And I heard the movie doesn't pull any punches. I heard it, it has some smart writing. Um, and, uh, I heard they play with that a bit. So, 
uh, I'm excited, and I, I'm hearing nothing but great things about you know Affleck. Uh, I heard actually apparently a lot of people really thought they did an exceptional job with uh, Lex, and Eisenberg crushed it too. So I, I'm very excited now to see where this is going to go. Well, These were not the reports I expected. Well, as I had mentioned before, I want this movie to succeed. I want this movie to be good because this is an amazing story that it should be told on screen. But I was only worried because of my what I my thought process of after seeing Man of Steel. After hearing this, if what you're telling me is true, then I do have a little bit of hope. I am hoping to get to a screening of this movie before it opens so that I can decide whether or not I want to spend my money to see it and support the support the film. Because even if I, I go to a ton of free screenings all the time through press, but if I like the movie that much, I will pay the money to go see it again to support the film and, and help it. If I feel that way with Batman Man of Steel, if you hear that I'm going to go to it after it already opens and I'm paying money to go see it, then you know I liked the film. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping, again, I want it to succeed. I'm hoping Man of Steel and what I thought of it is just a one-off and the rest of this universe kills it. It's still yeah. yet to be seen. Yeah, it's it's a big wait and see. Uh, you know, as far as moving out of that, uh, some of the last bit of news this week. Uh, on the smaller side of things, we get a another glimpse of another character joining the Flash universe. Um, and this being in the name of a character by the name of Rupture, which just broke about an hour ago before we recorded this. Uh, and for those of you who know, Rupture is actually Armando Ramon, uh, Cisco's brother, and is a villain. So... Um, he always had a very unique costume in the books and the set photos look like they're doing an amazing job recreating that. I so, wonder if this is going to be the episode of the flash that Kevin Smith is directing because Kevin Smith is actually currently working on his episode of the flash. Right. So if these, if these production stills are coming out now uh, around the same time that Kevin was putting out images of his own from directing, this could be the episode he's directing, which means this could has a lot of potential. It's coming. We know it's coming. We just don't know uh, what episode number yet. And uh, this one didn't have an episode number tied to it, but like I said, we do know Rupture is coming, so we're going to see one of Cisco's other brothers and uh, a vibe villain at that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if we're going to see Cisco step it up very soon. And his power is kind of coming to fruition from what we saw from Earth 2 as he goes up against his one brother. Yeah. So I'm very curious. Or And the question is, even if they're going to go with the fact that it is one of his brothers, it's a wait and see. So they could, they could, they could switch that up on us. We know, like I said, the next episode we've got coming is still Trajectory with our first female speedster coming up on March 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait till Flash comes back. I really no. can't. I know it, it's <laughs> it's it's painful when we have breaks with that show specifically that way. Yeah. It's always rough. Yeah, it is. It's very rough. Uh, but yeah, but if that's all for. Oh, anything you wanted to recommend? Yes. For DC Essentials. I know uh, you do. That's why I I'm getting do. to it. I am giddy too to, to bring it up. So midweek, um, there was a very interesting Twitter going around. I think it was like Monday or Tuesday. Uh, it's kind of hard. The, the week's been a blur. We've had some had a very crazy week. Um, but DC Comics released something I never expected them to do. Um, so Black Canary, uh, the current run from the New 52, just had its first trade come out on Wednesday. And uh, alongside uh, their first uh, kind of collection of books from, like, it's a very kind of on almost indie-focused kind of take on it from the new, like, the, the DC 52, like, the DCU kind of directive where they were bringing in a lot of independent writers and uh, artists to kind of, like, breathe some new life into comics. And, uh, you know, they took uh, 
classic good old Black Canary and had her as the front woman of a, a rock band. And it was really good and it's very enjoyable. Um, but to coincide with that release, they released an EP, uh, a three track EP done by Black Canary and her band. And it is exceptional. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, you can find it if you can want to get a couple free listens over on blackcanary.bandcamp.com. Uh, track is called Fish Out of Water, then Old World, and then The Man with the X-Ray Eyes, which is a cover of an old Bauhaus song, which just made me smile. Uh, but it's very cool. Uh, and uh, I happily purchased that. You can buy the three tracks for $3.50. And uh, even if you go to DC Comics' uh, primary website and go through, and they actually have a band page for Black Canary now on the site. And, uh, you know, they have fake tour dates and bios on the band members and all this stuff, and you can listen to the tracks there as well. But... Uh, it's it, it's exciting to see them do something like this, something I never expected DC to do. And I really, really hope that by the time the trade, the second trade comes out, that they do either a second EP or honestly, I would kill for a full length album because uh, it was just very smartly done for marketing. But on top of that, it was also incredibly well done. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I know you linked that uh to me earlier on too on facebook when when you first found out about that so yeah if, uh, if you like uh indie rock with a little kind of like um kind of synth stuff going on in it and all uh and it's got a nice edge to it, it, it it's just fun it's it's just fun music so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna check it out because i want to i want to see what that's like yeah as well uh but that's going to wrap things up for this issue of dc prime time before we get out though let's hit a couple of our cheap plugs and rob i'll let you go first uh, you can always find us at CaffeineCrew.com, and if you want to email uh, either Caffeine Crew or DC Primetime, you can always shoot that over to thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, the site is a little slow at the moment. We still have a podcast to make up for for February, which will be probably happening in another week or two, because it's been cray-cray. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and you can find me. Our website is nextlevelradioonline.com, where you can find all of our podcasts, including this one and the showcast, which I do as well, uh, as well as a number of other podcasts that we do right there on the podcast, the Next Level Podcast Network. And, of course, on Facebook, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, and on Twitter at nxtlevelradio. So feel free to email Rob or myself. Uh, Rob, is, as Rob had mentioned, his email is... Um, the caffeine, yeah, the, the caffeine crew at gmail.com. We're going to yeah. probably have a DC primetime email soon for everybody and probably a new Twitter handle as well for people to be able to hit us a little bit more directly. We just have to get off our asses and do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do that. Before this podcast is even posted, the email is going to be set. So from this point on, if you have any recommendations for DC Essentials or anything that you want to hear us talk about on DC primetime, you can email us at DC primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. I will set that up before I even post this. Perfect. So by, so by the time you're hearing this, that will be set up. <laughs> so, um, Also, uh, real quick, as, uh, as we say every week, too, big thanks to George Shaw again for the music you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hear those tracks every week. And for recommending Young Justice, which I'm now in love with. Yes. So we know he listens. So, George, thanks again for last week and for recommending that because I'm loving it and I will recommend it to a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll have you back on. Absolutely. Uh, you know, before the season wraps up. So, uh, but yeah, but that's it. So with that being said, we are going to be out of here until next week. Uh, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.